0: part of it is you use that knowledge to inform your life choices and direction and things that you do. Yeah? So we need to keep learning. Now, um, that's cool. Thank you. Do you know, he is amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a fantastic member of the team. Now, every season of our lives requires us to learn how to navigate it yeah every season of your life if you've learnt wisdom from the season before you can use some of that but actually you still need wisdom to move on to the season that you're currently in because you need to keep learning now being over 60 for me now yeah I know You've missed it. You should have said, oh, you don't look over 60. You've lost, you know, you've lost your opportunity. Forget it. Forget it. No, I don't want to know now. No, no, you've lost it now. It's too late, Dave. Too late, Dave. Being over 60, I'm having to learn to navigate this season in my life. And I have learned one thing from two weeks ago. I should not be playing football with the young people. I know we won it's the cost of the winning you see the year before I played out in the field and I played in goal and I suffered a bit after so this year I thought I'm going to apply the knowledge that I had from last year and be wise and I'm going to say to my team I will be the goalie because I'm quite well i quite good at being a goalie I let a few in actually but anyway whatever I used to be quite good at goalie so I'm thinking that way I'm not running around all the time so maybe I won't feel so bad no <laughs> because my knees killed me because I took lots of uh goal kicks right and I was uh, my knees have only just recovered right so I am going to apply the knowledge that I have received from two weeks ago and although Bob says he's going to keep playing because he doesn't like to be a spectator well great mate but my knowledge of that is going to be next year I am spectating okay I'm just just for the record just so you know so other people younger than I can step up to play for the oldies they called him which I feel really that's not right and I'm having to face uh the fact that my body's getting older and that my mind cannot cope, Derek's nodding his head, cannot cope with all the things at the same time that it used to. People used to say to me, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, do what? Well, there's this, this, there's this charity you're running and that you're doing and that whatever. I'm like, well, just do it. Now, I've had to cut down all of those things. About three years ago, I stopped all my outside charity work, heading up business and concentrate on Horizon. And now when we're in Horizon, I'm thinking, thank goodness, where's this coming? Because you can't, as you get older, and you youngsters are like, Pfft. Right, When you get to my age and it happens to you, you will get to the podcast and you will play this sermon and you will go, I now know what she's talking about because I can't cope with the amount of things flying at me without you stressing me out like I used to be able to do so I have to be wise and have to say okay well then what's important what God's calling me to do and to focus on and I have to kind of knock those other things on the head so the ability I've got left I'm putting in the right direction okay that's just about getting older you have to navigate the season that you're in and apply knowledge to make you wise to live properly now I know that I'm getting older and like that and, I, we, and Dave and I have, have this conversation often and we say, oh, do you know, I find this a real struggle or I can't be bothered or I hope somebody else does this because we're really not feeling it. And we've decided that this is a characteristic of getting older and we've decided to embrace it rather than fight it. And you've probably met very miserable old people who have not decided that. They are denying they're getting older, and of course they can do it, and they might do it badly, or, or and they're, just, they're just kind of not embracing it. And so we're not being lazy, we're just being realistic, and we are saying, well, we can't do that, so we need to find someone else who can. We need to find a younger pair of shoulders to put that on. And, and so we're trying to be wise with the knowledge and understanding that we've got, and apply it. Because every season of your life, whatever season you're in at the moment, you need more wisdom. You need wisdom to navigate it safely and properly and successfully. Now, wisdom. Wisdom has always been there. Wisdom is a part of God. Wisdom is God. Therefore, I would suggest He is the best source. wisdom to get wisdom from yeah let's look at a couple of scriptures first of all John uh, chapter 1 in the beginning the word already existed the word was with God and the word was God he existed in the beginning with God I think we've got that now he was there God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Now, if you haven't got it, verse 14 lets us into the clue of who we're talking about. So the word became human and lived here on earth. Who is he talking about in John chapter 1? Jesus. Yes, Jesus was that word. And then Proverbs. If you, if you like poetry and nice, nice writing, you're going to love this. This is from the Passion Version. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 to 31. In the beginning, and I, before, before I read it actually, the title over this section in your Bible is called Wisdom in the Beginning because it's in a few chapters talking solely about wisdom and it talks about it in, it personifies it. So like wisdom is a person, okay? So we're picking up in the Bible where God's talking about wisdom in Proverbs and he's talking about it like as if it was a person so here we go in the beginning I wisdom was there for God possessed me even before he created the universe from eternity past I was set in place before the world began I was anointed from the beginning before the ocean depths were poured out and before there were any glorious fountains overflowing with water I was there dancing even before one mountain had been sculptured or one hill raised up, I was already there dancing. When he created the earth, the fields, even the first atom of dust, I was already there. When he hung the tapestry of the heavens and stretched out the horizon on the, uh, of the earth, when the clouds and skies were set in place and the subterranean fountains began to flow strong, I was already there. When he set in place the pillars of the earth and spoke the decrees of the seas, commanding the waves so they wouldn't overstep their boundaries, I was there. Close to the creator's side as his master architect, as, a, as it can be translated, as the master's artist or architect, I was there. Daily he was filled with delight in me as I playfully rejoiced before him. I laughed and played so happy with what he had made while finding my delight in the children of men. Who can you see in those verses? You see the same person as I saw when you connect it with John 1? Wisdom, in, in Proverbs, wisdom is personified, described as a person. John 1 tells us that person is Jesus. So if we're talking about gaining knowledge and understanding, wisdom, then he, Jesus, God, is the best source. And I want to leave you five gems of wisdom for our lives. Is that okay? I mean, if we're talking about a whole of life, I'll keep you here for a week, but I just picked out five things that I think from my life that I've learned uh, that are a wise thing to do, a bit of wisdom to pass on. So, you ready? Don't know whether it'll be your five, but these are my five. One, close to Jesus. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the starting point for acquiring wisdom, you get that? The starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. Wow. So unless you are focused on worshipping in awe of, putting God first focus in your mind, up front, central, Lord, God, King, you're not going to get wisdom. That's the starting point for getting wisdom. Learn from the best. And it's about a relationship with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. You see, all three of those parts of God have given us guidelines, rules, principles, and commandments to live by. Can anybody tell me any of those? It's in the Bible. Ten Commandments. Did it give us any more? The Lord's Prayer. how about the sermon on the mount that was full of stuff of principles and things and whatever and then the teaching in the new testament as the holy spirit began to move on the disciples and stuff and write stuff down we have got lots of principles rules guidelines commandments stuff that came out of jesus's mouth commandments that we love one another and we love our our neighbors and we love our enemies and all that sort of stuff right we've got God has given us guidelines and rules and principles and commandments to live by, but this is where people fall down. They are never, ever meant and were never meant to replace a vibrant, personal interaction with God. In fact, the Ten Commandments were given to the Old Testament Israelites to help get them in a place where they could have a relationship with God, right? Right? not to replace it but to say well if you stop sinning so much then we can perhaps have a conversation or if you stop focusing on all your idols and spoke to me we perhaps could have a relationship. So rules and regulations and principles all of those things are good but actually they only are there to help pointers and keep us so that we can have a personal relationship with God. For example in my life I could apply and i did apply the principle that i found in the scripture that i should only marry a christian believer right i could find that in the bible in the new testament i could tell you that's what i should have done those of you are married to unbelievers because you've become a christian later or you made a mistake for goodness sake don't start taking offense at me right other, if you look in your Bible yourself, you will find that there is scripture for you to pray for your other half to be saved. But anyway, we're not, that's another sermon for another day. But let's go back to me. Okay, so I, could, I wanted to apply the principle and the scripture commandment about marriage. Because I was a believer, I wanted to marry a fellow believer, right? But that did not help me to find that right believer. Did it? Be quiet. It. It didn't say to me, right? Go to Wallington Christian Centre with your singing group, and take the youth weekend there because there's going to be some backslidden idiot, that is going to come back to God. And eventually, you will kind of go to college and your best friend will live near that church and you will go and visit her and then you'll go back to that church and you'll meet the said person who's now working in children's work and has really got a heart for God. And it didn't tell me that. You know, you'll never find that in this Bible. I could live by the principle and say, okay, well, you look pretty fit, but... You're not even a believer, so you're out. And even when I found people that I thought, oh, yeah, quite quite nice. I'm like, God, you have got to tell me who the person is. Because I can be guided by principles, but there's nowhere near it says, Judith, you will marry Dave Smith. I have to have a personal relationship with God, and he has to guide my life and he led me to marry him, which at times you need to know that. <laughs> and all you ladies are thinking of my age, thank goodness you did because that took him, you know, that's one out. I've taken one for the team, girls. I've taken one for the team. But the point I'm making is you could have the principles, but unless you've got a vibrant relationship, personal encounter with God where he's communicating with you, the finer details of how to work out your life you won't be able to find them written in that book the principles are there but it's always pointing us to have a relationship with God and another thing yes I can put into practice the biblical principle of giving at least 10% of what I earn back to God in the horizon offering but it takes a relationship with the Holy Spirit to tell me when I need to give on top of that to people in need that I didn't even know were in need have you ever had that happen to you where people have just come and given you stuff. The first couple of years when Horizon started, we weren't drawing a salary, and, you know, it was a life of faith, and you used to get kind of um, Sainsbury's vouchers through the door, or there's an envelope in the offering, just at the right time when we needed that money. See, those people hadn't read their Bible that morning and said, thou shalt give Sainsbury's vouchers to Dave and Julie Smith who live at 202 Stafford Road and oh by the way it's got to be 50 quid you don't find that in there but people had a relationship with God and they were talking to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would go go do that put that in the offering and if that's not happened to you as in you've received it you're probably not in enough need um, but if you haven't had that talk, God talking to you to go and do something it, it, it doesn't have to be money it could be go and give that person a hug send that person a bunch of flowers I pray for that person You know, God, put someone on your heart. Pray for them, because that's what this is all about. This is about a vibrant relationship with with God. You see, wisdom from the pages of the book is good, but it must be matched with a personal close relationship with the living Christ every day in order for it to be the real deal. Wisdom you can get from there can point you to God and put great principles in life. I'm not saying don't read the Bible, but I'm saying that should lead and point you to have a personal relationship with God to outwork that. So that's my first one. Close, be close to Jesus. The second bit of wisdom I would like to pass on, face up, don't try to cover up, okay? When... And I use the word when, deliberately. When you make a mistake, when you fall, when you fail, don't try to hide it. It doesn't work. Learn from our two not-so-wise guys that we read in Genesis at the beginning. After they disobeyed God's only instruction not to eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this is what they did. Genesis 3 verse 8 towards evening they heard the lord god walking about in the garden so they hid themselves amongst the trees Duh. <laughs> they hid themselves because they knew they'd sinned but they didn't apply their knowledge of god to inform them that it's impossible to hide from God he would definitely find them. he made the jolly garden in the first place you think it's not a tree you knows so that you're not up or behind or bush you're not hiding behind they didn't apply the knowledge that they just got apart from that oh, we've sinned quick let's hide they and they did not face up to what they'd done it took God's to find them and Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14 said God will judge us for everything we do including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Now, when you are tempted, when you failed to hide, I suggest you read Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14, because it will save you a lot of trouble. You see, you can run, but you can't hide. Hiding and evading only makes things worse, so face up to it. Notice and that when Adam and Eve does sin and guilt are come into their lives, they tried to run away from God. Sin, when you let guilt come in and you're not going to face it, always, always, always tries to make you run away from the very person you should be running to, which is God. Oh, but Judith, you know, if I've done wrong and he's holy then really I should stay out of his presence because I should run in the opposite direction. No, 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 no. Because you know what? There's no need to fear making mistakes. And I quote to this come up and coming verse to, I don't, I'll lose count of how many Christians I've quoted this to. 1 John 1 verse 9 from the Passion Version actually. If we freely admit our sins so you've got to qualify there right if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them or we fess up to them first he will be faithful to forgive us every time say every time, every time. oh say a bit more enthusiastic than that every time. every time your life depends on it guys he's going to forgive you every time God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no reason on earth, hell or heaven, while you should be frightened to go to God with your mistakes or failures because he has already made the provision for that in Christ Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And you will save yourself a lot of pain, a lot of aggro, a lot of God corralling you into a situation in a tight corner where you do actually face him. Save you a lot of that if you just, as soon as you've made a mistake, come to God and get it sorted out. Does anyone agree with that wisdom? Put your hand up. From bitter experience, yeah? Yeah. Thirdly, learn from your mistakes. Jesus said to the woman caught in the act of adultery recorded in John 8, neither I, do I condemn you. He's the only person that could have. Then he said this sentence, go and sin no more. I forgive you what you've just done, but from this point on, live in that forgiveness, change your lifestyle, don't make that mistake again. And Proverbs 26, verse 11. Fools are famous for repeating their errors, like dogs are known to return to their vomit. Has anyone ever seen that, where a dog has puked up and then re-eaten it? Oh, it's vile! It's disgusting. You want to get out of it, saying, "Just do this stupid things." Just, do, do. But it, recycling. yeah, re, recycling on a whole new level, man. It's disgusting. But God has taken that and you know only fools go back to the same mistake and repeat it again and he's not being nasty when he calls you fools because a fool is being foolish is the opposite to being wise so wise people don't go back to the same thing and making the same mistakes now I know you're going to say to me yeah but you know there are addictions and then whatever well we'll come on to that in my next point So the thing is, learn from your mistakes. Don't return to your vomit and eat it up. Right, fourth, accountability. Don't do life alone. This is a good bit of wisdom. James chapter five, verse 16 says, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed or restored. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Now, some translations say, confess your sins one to another, right? And I would suggest that you find someone or someones you respect and trust in the faith and share your life of faith with them, the struggles, but also the victories, seek out wisdom and help from others when things come up that against you and where you keep failing you see you might have something that you keep that same mistake you keep repeating it and you go back to God and you say well John 1 9 time sorry I've done it again and God says that's okay I forgive you you've confessed your sins that's it cleanse you from all unrighteousness go on off you go and then you come back and you do it again. You go, oh, it's me again. But you're sick of seeing me, aren't you, on this particular subject? And sometimes you need to say, well, hang on a minute. I keep returning to the dog's vomit. Okay, I keep re- repeating my mistakes. I need to go and get some wisdom on this. I need to get some help. I need to get some support. I need to get some accountability. So that's when you choose someone that you know can give you a bit of wisdom and a bit of advice who will then make you accountable for stuff. So you can say, look, okay, well, uh, maybe we ought to change, uh, change this or change your thinking on that. And, and they can perhaps give you a bit of insight. And you get a bit of support as you come to that problem again. And I tell you what, when you're accountable to someone, you're about to make the same mistake again, you think, oh no, I've not only got to do a one John one nine, but I've also got to go back to so-and-so and tell him I've done it again. It just gives you a little extra like, huh, what am I doing? So if you're stuck in something, try that. But please, let me remind you of point one. Be close to Jesus. Whenever you mess up, don't speak to about others about it first. Talk to God first. Because even accountability partner or someone's walking you in the faith doesn't replace the one-to-one relationship go speak to him first. And I've told you countless times, if you come to me, the first question I'll ask you is, what did God say when you spoke to him? Oh, I haven't spoken to him yet. Well, come back to me when you have then, because he's probably got a lot of better to say about it than I have. So accountability, don't do life alone. And finally, my fifth bit of wisdom to pass on is give God your best, put him first. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is that too much to ask? God gave his very best for you and he expects nothing less in return. Do we give God our best of our time? our energy, our talent, our life. Please don't be tempted to give him the leftovers, the spare time of the things or the money, the things remaining after we've done what we want to do and then, oh, well, okay, well, that's left, God. You can have that. Please don't do that to him. He deserves the best. And if you give him the best, Because whatever you give him, the scripture says, he will take and use and multiply. So if you give him the leftovers, you'll get leftovers multiplied and returned to you. If you give him your best, you will get your best returns multiplied over to you. Common sense, that's all it is, common sense. And in Proverbs 3 verse 9, again in the Passion Translation, glorify God with all your wealth, honouring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. When you get a salary rise, apart from saying hallelujah and I better fill in a praise card, is the second thought you had, uh, or I can take that holiday now, or is the second thought better up my standing order when they get the bank account sorted out to reflect my increase? Sometimes we can sit on those things and God gives us an increase and we've not done anything with it. Um, give him your best and see what he can do with it. Putting him first. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 in the New Living Translation said, He will give you all you need from day to day. Hey! Oh, there's not a full stop there. He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Ooh. So God is saying, if you make me first, put me first, make my kingdom, my call on your life, your primary focus, your concern, and put me first, he will then give us all we need from day to day. Isn't that awesome? That's very wise to put God first. Live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So give him your best and see what he can do with that. So there are the five, five bits of wisdom I'd like to pass on. Firstly, uh, get close to Jesus. Have a personal relationship with him. Let him speak to you every day about stuff. Face up and don't cover up. Learn from your mistakes. Uh, get someone to be accountable with you. Don't do, don't do your life faith, faith of life alone. Life of faith alone. And fifthly, give God your best. So wisdom don't put your hands up in your in your head and your heart answer this wisdom who wants it who's prepared to live it once you've got it who wants him because he is the wisdom who is prepared to live for him let's just pray God, you are the best father ever. You have made provision to win us back, to deal with our sin, to give us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. You've given us a handbook on how to do life. You've made it possible through the Holy Spirit to have a personal relationship with you where you can speak to us every moment of every day if we want to. And then, God, you've made provision to clean us up when we mess up. Oh, you are awesome. You are so awesome. You are so wise. You are incredible. Please help us, Father, all of us and our church to get close to you, to get the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the information that we need to be wise and then to put it into practice. And whatever that means in in each individual life that is here today or listening to this on the podcast, God I pray that you would apply that to our lives and collectively as a church and we pray for the trustees as they meet this afternoon and the leadership team as they as they meet God we pray that you will give them wisdom and understanding about the direction for this church and all that you want us to do because God we want your wisdom we want you we want to live the best life possible and we know that's with you please help us on this journey and help us to gain wisdom and to be wise people in Jesus name. Amen.